Hi, and welcome back to Brass Tacks, our video series on your toughest challenges in moving from ideas to action. I'm Nicola Chin, founder of Uplift Community, and I am very lucky to be here today with Leslie Hill, professor at Bates College of Race and Gender in Politics. Uh, I had Leslie on my mind for this conversation because this month I've been thinking quite a bit about transitions and change that changes our sense of self and our identity. Sometimes these can be abrupt. Sometimes these can develop over a series of months or years. But as we go through this type of change, we really aren't the same person that we were before. <laughs> and um, Leslie, you're going through a transition of moving from being a full-time professor to the next phase of your life. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to learn with you today. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. <laughs> well, Leslie, tell us a little bit about what are some of your reflections as you're moving through this transition and how is it, how is it impacting your sense of self? Well, uh, to be perfectly honest, I began thinking about what the transition might mean for me a couple of years Great. ago. And so I thought, I want to be intentional about this, mm -hmm. but not over-structure myself. Mm -hmm. And so I began talking to people, people who had just been through it, people who were anticipating it, um, to learn as much as I could. You know, what are the do's and don'ts of, of this kind of thing? Um, one of the things that I realized very quickly is that, particularly for somebody who works in um, a profession where your identity is so very much tied to your work, mm -hmm. I realized that the transition would mean a really big change. Mm -hmm. When I'm on campus, uh, it's, hi, Professor. It's, yeah, I was like, it's <laughs> Professor Hill. Yes. I still feel that way when I see you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, out in the world, I'm just anybody else. And so that shift in identity, thinking, well, what has gone away and what is still there? That's part of what's involved in the transition. Also figuring out how much of that do I want to hold on to and how much of it do I want to let go? Yeah. That to not have to turn into anyone crazy. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I still love thinking with people. Yeah, that's kind of fun. So when I think about the transition, it has occurred to me that it's a transition in identity. The work that I do, but because that work is so closely tied to, I mean, it takes how long to study, to prepare for that kind of work. So it becomes your identity for a very long time. But there's that, but there's also, it's uh, the shift is financial. It may indeed be geographical. Um, it is social. I, you know, I have friends and co-workers there. It's part of my social life, but that's kind of, it's distant. I won't say it's entirely gone, but it's distant yeah. now. Um, and so there's so many levels at which this transition is affecting me. I realize that it's on me to restructure my life. How am I going to spend my time? And that gets you to the question of what matters. Mm -hmm. You know, what matters to me? What's mm -hmm. the thing that I think is uh, most important for me to be doing? Mm -hmm. And what of your experiences in exploring race and gender in politics mm -hmm. come up as you think about this identity shift? Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow. Because as soon as you said that word structure, I'm like, you are someone who thinks about structure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So how does that kind of interplay? Um, I think for me, it, it feels as if now I have perhaps the time mm -hmm. to be more of an advocate, mm -hmm. to, to, to put the skills that I have and experience I have to work on trying to help fashion change. I think there are a lot of people in the world, whether we're looking at Maine or you know New York, um, who are, or the rest of the country, all over. People are saying, this is enough. We've got to make some changes. And so I'm just, part of me is trying to figure out where do I want to land with that? Because uh, it could be some sort of work on, on um, I'm, I think I am good. One of the things I'm good at is helping to connect people, you know, and helping to build those collaborations, collaborative spaces, you know, ways that people can be together and, and sit and hear each other. We don't have to agree, but thinking about what brings us to the table and how, what if we think of some useful ways of trying to move, move so change a lot because yeah. a lot of things have got to change. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the identity shifts that has been really up for me in this past few months has been in a lot of the ways I was formed as a feminist and as an anti-racist was to express those through an identity of political community organizer. Right. And so the energy I brought to that identity was often one of debate and combat mm -hmm. and struggle. Mm -hmm. And one of the transitions I've been making in part of my identity is more towards coach and teacher and healer. Right. Still for those goals of, of racial justice and gender justice and class justice, but from a very different perspective. Okay. And that has felt very disorienting to me, sure. right? And as I listen to you, I hear your commitment to change and community that was present as a professor is still going to be there different after your professor, uh, but your position will be different. And I'm curious, you know, um, what feelings come up as you let go of the authority, the power, the position of professor in relationship to these questions of race and gender, and you pick up the different right. power dynamic. That's, that's interesting because on one hand, a lot of the work that I have done in thinking about this is um, involves um, work work on the ideas. Um, mm -hmm. It's theoretical work. It's you know the work of trying to pose questions and figure out ways to generate responses to those questions, and then fashion some sort of way of thinking, is there a pattern here? Are there themes here? What's going on? That's very visceral, the very, very cerebral kinds of work. And that doesn't translate. You yeah. know, when when you're talking to people, you have, I'm trying to find language for talking with people. How do I, you know, in a world that, for example, um, thinks feminist is a bad word. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do I talk about the things that People will say they agree with. I think women should get equal pay. <laughs> I should think women should be able to make their choices about when, where, and how to have kids. You know, those kinds of things. People agree with. Mm -hmm. 
but they won't call themselves necessarily feminists. So how do we define the work that we're doing in a way that allows us to take account of the different experiences that people have that get them to that point? You know, indigenous women don't have the same experiences of trying to get reproductive health care that middle-class white women have. You know, so what are the different paths that people use to come to their concern about a particular issue, and how do we talk to each other about those kinds of things? That's the way, I think, for me, at least an example of one of the ways that, you know, that comes up. I'm not sure. You did, you did, you totally got it. And I think a follow-up question I would have is, you know, I'm curious if there's any part of this transition that in the reflections comes up as feeling particularly tied to gender or race for you. Because one transition for me is, you know, part of my feminist and anti-racist formation that was tied to being a political organizer was this idea that I had to, um, the way to express my power was through combat. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm tapping into a different type of racial and gender power as I'm trying to enter into this new identity. And those, so those types of transitions feel marked by my gender and my race. And I'm curious if there are parts of this transition that feel tied to your gender or your race. And if not, that's cool. Right. Um, or your age or whatever. Right. Age is a big one. <laughs> yeah, because I've been thinking about how, I've been working with a colleague at, at uh, Bates who's also in the process of making the transition. We're trying to create a platform for retired and retiring professors. And one of the things I realized very quickly is that women experience this differently than men do. Um, I also know that as a black woman walking around with the title professor, that gives me a certain authority that other black women do not have. Other women of color don't, you know, that isn't an, uh, an instant kind of, oh, you're okay kind of thing, um, which I always try to resist, but um, it's, it's, it's recognizing the ways in which there may be authority out there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I have to earn it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that's earning it from the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? So I do think it's, it's different um, for women than it is for men. I do think our society is so racialized, it, 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 it's inescapable that it would not also be racialized. I mean, the decisions about well, where am I going to live? Mm-hmm. What kind of community am I going to choose? And as an older person, some of those issues are around where will I feel safe and comfortable? You know, and all of those things are in the mix. And so it feels like there's just a lot of decision making. Yeah there that goes that goes on so I do think but I also think that 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 people are concerned about issues and come together to work on things in a way that has the potential to transform the way power works and the way power gets used women don't and I don't make this claim for all women it's certainly not true but I do think there are people um, and I see more of it among women than men, 
people who are trying to use power in different ways, in ways that are not power over, mm -hmm. but power with, power among, um, trying to figure out ways that respect the the skill and the wherewithal that any individual brings to a situation and says, help me learn to listen to you, to hear what you have to say so that we can all learn from it. That's really hard work. It requires being very attentive to what's going on in the space uh, and being very, being vulnerable. Yeah. And vulnerability and power don't usually go together. But I think new iterations, new ways to to build collective power, I think, will require both of those things. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been really, really useful for me, Leslie. I'm curious, before I let you go, if there's any books or practices or activities that are serving you as you're moving through this transition oh, wow. that you shout out for others. <laughs> Oh man. Songs <laughs> that are on repeat on your Spotify. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. So I, I, I need a minute for that yeah, one. I'm sorry I didn't ask you that in advance. <laughs> I, I would imagine something, but there's so many things that come floating around in my head right now. You know, um, I'll just tell you a book that has come across my desk and that I think is going to be useful Brittany Cooper. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, has written some work that just seems to capture some of the, not only lessons, but the questions that folks who attend to systems of power, structures of oppression, and has begun to rearticulate them in ways that, uh, at least it feels, I haven't read all the way through the book, but it feels like they're not only accessible, but take the thinking to another level. Great. Yeah. And what's the name of the book? Do you recall? <sighs> no, it's okay. Um, I the can, author is Brittany, Brittany Cooper. Cooper. I'll Google it and we'll put it in the notes for the video. Okay, great. So yeah, no yeah. worries. Okay. That's great. Leslie, thank you so much. Well, thank you, I really Nicole. I didn't it. get to hear enough from you, but perhaps we can keep the conversation going. <laughs> well, uh, these videos are paired with our Up With Community letter, which you can find at upwithcommunity.org. And you'll see more of my thoughts about this in that letter for this month. Okay. Yeah. That's thanks, good. everybody. I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. The work that we do is centered around collaboration and community. So whether it's creating media like this or expanding our online field guide, your support makes that happen. Thanks so much. If you'd like to support us, visit upwithcommunity.org forward slash support.